Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today is from Galatians, the sixth chapter. Brothers, if any one of you is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch over yourself, lest you too are tempted. Bear one another's burdens. And let us not grow weary of doing good for each other. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. Dear friends of Christ, you know, if you go to the airport, uh, you have to go through a whole lot of security nowadays, and, and uh, of course, you have to show a driver's license, an ID, passport, you have to be able to, you have to take off your shoes, and of course, your jacket, anything that's metal, walk through the, uh, you know, metal detector. If you have liquid with anything more than four ounces, it's confiscated. That's the price of freedom. Uh, freedom from terrorists. Well, the freedom you have in Christ is also under attack. The world is attacking Christian freedom. Sin attacks Christian freedom, and the message Paul has to the Galatian church talks about all that. How they, don't, they should not abuse their Christian freedom, how, but how freeing it is to know. Jesus Christ bore it all. He set me free. I stand in the righteousness of God. All my sins have been washed away. Every sin that I can think about doing or have ever done, gone. They can't judge you when you stand in the judgment of God. They can't hurt you. You are literally set free. And in that freedom, we can say, wow, you mean all my sins are forgiven? And last week we talked about that, didn't we? How if we are set free in Christ, it's so easy to abuse that freedom and say, well, if, if God is such a forgiving God, then I'm free to sin. Woohoo! Right? And then our life gets crazy and we walk away from God and we get caught up in sin and the sin destroys our faith. That's not, that's not a good thing. We have a responsibility to live for Christ so that, oh, not to save our souls from hell, but so that we don't get stuck in sin. And getting stuck in sin, unrepentant sin, we wander further away from God to the point where we're not walking in the faith anymore. We have been saved to serve. Yes, we've been saved to live in His kingdom, to keep His commandments to live for one another. Last week, my sermon ended how to do that with the fruit of the Spirit. And I said the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is, to, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the things God wants you to be doing. Have a heart of love, of peace, of patience, of goodness, a good heart, a faithful heart, a gentle heart, a heart that controls sin against such things there is no law and those who belong to jesus christ have crucified their sinful flesh with its passions and desires for if we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit so we're free from sin 
And since we love the Lord, and since we're appreciative for His sacrifice and what He's done for us, we choose to live for Him. It's called the third use of the law. Unbelievers can't follow the third use of the law. You are privileged to serve God because He's cleansed you. You are free to keep the commandments because He's washed your sins away. You can please Him, but only through the blood of Christ. And so how can we please the Lord? We're not going to get ourselves to heaven by obeying the law. But certainly we can please Him by keeping His commandments, love one another and love God. And so now we seek to please Him. And so let's consider our text this morning, sowing in the Spirit of God. Sowing in the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us fruit. Last week, I'm the vine, you're the branches, you bear fruit. And of course, that's what we do as Christians. You were saved to bear fruit. You were saved to live for the Lord. These are good deeds. And these fruit give shape to our Christian lives. The fruits of the Spirit give shape to how we live and how we look. So let's first consider the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness. It expresses itself, gentleness does, when we as believers in Christ take time to restore one another in sin. And so when our children are wandering off in disobedience, we call them back to Christ. Are you sure you want to be living that way? That's a dangerous way to live. Continue to live that way and you will wander from the Lord. We teach our children to return. But we do it for one another. And the Bible says that's our task, that's our job as Christians who have been freed from sin is to restore one another. And we don't do that very much, do we? We don't spend a whole lot of time restoring other members of the church back to the Lord. They get stuck in sin, they start to wander off. We say, well, they're not in church anymore, are they? Bye-bye. They don't want to come, that's their problem, bye-bye. We don't even think what Paul's talking about here, that our Christian responsibility in living in the fruit of the spirit of gentleness is to gently restore them and go to them and plead with them to come back to church. Plead with them to hear the, the message. It's your duty to know and, and to let me know when I am falling into a sin that's getting me stuck, a sin that I'm not turning away from, a sin of which I'm unrepentant, it's your duty to let me know that. And as you confront me, it's your hope that I will show the sign of faith, that I will show fruits of repentance. That as you confront me, I'll say, and repentance means Something changes in your heart. Something changes in my desire. And now I have a desire to change. I no longer want to live the way I was living before. I don't want to do sins that will lead me away from the gift of salvation. I don't want my faith hurt. In gentleness, we speak honestly about sin. Unrepentant hearts love to sin. And we have many unrepentant hearts in our midst today. Unrepentance means we choose to live in sin, not turn away from it. We choose to do what we want to do and we don't care. That spiritual stubbornness, that spiritual blindness, 
means that we don't value what Christ has done. We don't value his love. We don't know how to live in that Christian freedom. And so what do we do with the Christian freedom? We abuse it. And Jesus says, if you appreciate what he's done, if you know what he's done, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Restore one another. If you love me, and people people with struggling with faith don't want to do that. They don't want to be responsible for somebody else in the congregation. Let's let pastor deal with that. That's pastor's problem. Such spiritual stubbornness takes very little value in the freedom we have in Christ to do what Christ would expect us to do. So we deal with people like that, with ourselves in the spirit of gentleness. If you see a person crossing a busy street and you see a semi coming right at them, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to warn them. Hey, watch out, right? They're in danger. But I want you to think that way spiritually. If you see someone caught in a transgression, they're unrepentant, they're not changing their sinful ways, they're stuck in that same sin, doing it over and over and over again, would you warn them? Would you let them know that that kind of behavior can lead them away from Christ, destroy their faith? Would you say you're in spiritual danger? Listen, Christians get caught up in sin all the time. That's nothing new. Sin can sneak up on us and sin can catch us and we're wondering, hey, what happened? How, that, how did it get this far? How did I get this far down? Our job is to re- restore each other. Our job is to bring each other back in a gentle way to reprove, to correct, to train in righteousness. And we're to lead each other to repentance, to turn, to speak the truth in love. And we warn but always in a loving tone. Always in the most kindest, gentlest, compassionate, concerning way, with winsome words, not judgmental words, because we realize that the same sin could eventually befall us. And that someday we may need to be gently guided back. The fruit of the Spirit is also revealed in our lives in love, the fruit of the Spirit, love. And love expresses itself when we, as believers in Christ, take time to share one another's burdens. So this is what the freedom in Christ looks like. Share each other's burdens. Now, what are those burdens? Well, they're burdens. They're trials. And maybe you're sharing somebody as they struggle in sin. Maybe they're grieving but you share each other's burdens. Now, that doesn't mean that you put up with them. To bear each other's burdens doesn't mean, well, I'm just going to put up with those problems in that person's life. No. When Paul talks about to bear, it's not to tolerate, but it's more in the sense of, I'm going to do something that I don't want to do for somebody who needs me. I'm going to do something that's not convenient for me because I live in the freedom of the Spirit, in the freedom of forgiveness. In Paul's days, bearing burdens was the duty of the slave. The slave got to do all the work for the people. And if if somebody bore a burden, 
the slave would have to go around and take care of that burden. It was his job. And Jesus says, now you're all slaves to Christ. That's what Paul says, you're all slaves to Christ. He's forgiven you. He's washed you clean. He's set you free to bear one another's burdens. To care for one another. That's what Christian freedom looks like. Because Jesus Christ is the one who bore our sin. He's the one who placed all of our sin upon his shoulders. And he became the slave. And he literally died to sin to set us free. That we might become the righteousness, the holiness, the perfection of God. That we might have eternal life. That sin might not destroy us or have power over us. That the devil has no power over us. And that's why he gives us his body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And the spiritual fruit of love gives shape and form to what we look like as Christians. Christian love expresses itself in slavery toward each other. Paul says it this way, Let us not grow weary of doing good. So then as we have an opportunity, let us do good to everyone, but especially to those who are the household of faith. Members of the congregation, you have a responsibility to one another when somebody's hurting, when somebody's struggling in sin, when, to lift up their burden and to bear their burden. A Christian cannot bear the burden of other Christians if they're isolated from other Christians. You hear what I said? Christians in a congregation cannot bear the burdens of others in that congregation if they're isolated from that congregation. If they don't come to church, if they don't come to worship, if they don't come to Bible study. How are you going to be able to do such a thing? There's no such thing as an isolated Christian. A believer from in the family of faith cannot restore another Christian who's beginning to wander because they don't know that Christian. They don't know who they are. They can't reach out to them. If you don't come to church, if you're not part of the family of faith, you're not here to help someone else, to admonish someone. And pastors have the right then, don't we, to admonish people that aren't coming to church. We have the right to admonish people who refuse to, uh, to, to help, people who separate themselves, choose to isolate themselves from the rest of the body. God tells us as believers we need each other. We must gently and lovingly restore those who are choosing to wander from our Christian fellowship. You know, Paul's letting us know here that what it means to live in the Christian, in the freedom of forgiveness. This is what it looks like. Living in the freedom of forgiveness, there is individual responsibility and there's corporate responsibility. Individual accountability, corporate responsibility. You know, in verse 1, Paul talks about our corporate responsibility. We as a church do it together. You together as a church should restore those wandering into sin. I've talked about that already. But Paul in verse 1 also talks about our individual accountability. 
He says, but keep watch over yourself, lest you be tempted. Yes, be concerned about the body, but you watch yourself. You take care of your soul. Take care of your spiritual life. So there's corporate responsibility and individual accountability. I must daily repent of all my sins. I must make myself do things I don't want to do to take care of those around me, especially the household of God, the people of faith. Jesus has set me free to serve. He set me free from sin so that I can find someone to love. I, I live in the power of that freedom of forgiveness, and I choose then, I choose to make myself a servant. And that's my individual accountability. In verse 2, Paul talks again about a corporate responsibility, a corporate responsibility that we have because we've been set free from sin. We live in freedom to bear one another's burdens. I've already talked about that. But our individual accountability is that we must bear our own burdens. We must examine our own works. Don't look for somebody else to bear your burden. You bear your burden and do it well by faith. And if someone comes alongside of you, all the better. But you have an individual responsibility. So how are you living out your life and faith in Christ? How is the Holy Spirit giving your life shape and form with the fruits of the Spirit? In verse 9, Paul gives us another corporate responsibility. He says, let us not grow weary, let us as a church, as a congregation, not grow weary of doing good. So then, as we as a congregation have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, but especially to those who are the household of faith. I've already talked about that. But then, of course, there's also the individual accountability. Whatever one sows, Paul said, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from his own flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. You're in charge of your own soul. That's living in Christian freedom. You know, I have diabetes, and people like me who have diabetes have to keep track of their blood sugar. I have a little device that puts a little needle in my stomach, tells me every five minutes monitors my blood sugar levels. And that's, that's nice. It's nice to know. But wouldn't it be wonderful if, if we had a spiritual monitor like that that, lets us, that warns us we're in danger when the sin level in our life is too high and, and we ha- are in risk of wandering away from the Lord and wandering away from the congregation and losing our faith and our monitor. Boop, 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 boop. Right? And then we can repent and turn, but we don't have a spiritual monitor like that that warns us when things are getting dangerous for our souls. When we live in open, rebellious, or unrepentant sin and we're not willing to change. That's a dangerous thing too. But we do have a tool to help us. It's called the law. The third use of the law. We, when you look at the law, it's very humbling because you look at God's law and you say, I can never live up to that standard. Because we all fall short of God's standard of of glory and perfection. We all fall short. And when we're truthful about our lives, truthful about our own sin, about our sinful behavior, then the law 
causes us to admit, yeah, I'm not as good as I think. Not as good as I think I am. I want you to look at the Christians around you. You know, just the people in this congregation, the people you're accountable to. Do you know they're struggling to keep the faith? Yeah. What of all those people who aren't here that we've got 1,100 members in our congregation? What, 250 will worship today? Those people who aren't here. Do you know they're struggling? You know, it's so easy for us to ignore one another, to live in our Christian freedom and say, my sins are forgiven, so what does it matter? But to live in that Christian freedom comes with a responsibility for one another, for our children, especially for the household of faith. And it's so easy to ignore church. It's so easy to ignore the sacraments. It's so easy to ignore baptism. It's so easy to ignore that we're supposed to be here to help one another. But in Christ, in Christian freedom, love says, let me help you. Let me help you keep the freedom you have in Christ that's so very precious to your salvation. It's the most precious gift you have. And Paul writes, if I sow, like a farmer, if I sow to please the Holy Spirit, I will reap eternal life from the Holy Spirit. There's nothing more beautiful than a life lived in the Spirit of God. Romans 8 says of this new life in the Spirit, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit has set me free from the law of sin and death. You're set free. Live in that freedom. That's the freedom we want to preserve in each one of our hearts, in my heart. and We certainly want to preserve it in the heart of each other. Amen. And now may the peace that God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.